Thanks, Ryan. So, uh, one of our pastors that was going to be speaking tonight, Joshua, is uh, sick at home. So, what did he do? He called his dad. <laughs> so, one of the things he would have told me if he was here is don't tell any stories, but I'm going to tell you a story. Um, because as long as I don't get too emotional. <laughs> Christmas Eve has a, a special memory. I, was, uh, I went to church as a kid and went through all the religious things like uh, baptism and uh, what they call it now, confirmation. And so, you know, I was going to church uh, as a young guy, about 13 or 14, and receiving communion and all those things, but I wasn't really a Christian. I was a, a kid that went to church. And uh, after a little older, church wasn't meaning too much to me, like maybe to some of you and uh, that don't regularly attend, and I just stopped going. Um, one of the reasons was probably that our church, we had to kneel down a lot, and that hurt my back. <laughs> so, but, uh, but as I got a little bit older, and I was far away from God, very far away from God, and uh, uh, I was at a party on Christmas Eve, and it was in the basement of a friend's house, and... Uh, uh, it was actually in the, the basement was his grandfather's basement suite that he lived in. We were partying down there, and his, his, uh, his grandfather was an old cowboy, and he was about 75 years old or so, and he had glasses that were really thick, you know, what they call pop-bottle lenses, and uh, he'd been a cowboy, and he'd, he'd uh, rustled cattle and stolen some horses when he lived in Saskatchewan, and he'd been in prison for a while. But, you know, now he was really old, and uh, anyway, we were at his place, and we were, we were partying away, and, and then I just got this feeling, you know, it's Christmas Eve, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to church. So I, so I said to Henry, Grandpa Peterson, they called him, I said, Henry, I said, I'm going to church. He says, I'm going with you. Okay, so we, we uh, drove down, and by the time we got there, the church was full, like, like this is tonight, and most of them were my relatives, and uh, a lot of them were my relatives, or my, all of my relatives were there anyway, with the rest of the people at the church, and uh, we come walking in there, it was almost over, and uh, we come walking in there down the thing, and down the middle of the aisle, and everybody's looking at us like, you know, and uh, we sit down, and the minister calls for communion. So I, well, I'd taken communion, so I decided I was going to go up and take communion too. So I, I stood up there and I went up there and, and uh, uh, old Grandpa Peterson Henry, he follows me up there and he's got his old cowboy hat on, his old cowboy boots, and he, he, uh, he follows me up there and I kneel down to take communion and the minister says, offers it to Henry and Henry says, Oh, no, he says real loud, so the church, I'm just here with Larry. <laughs> so, uh, so that was my, uh, my entrance back to church after a long time. But the thing I want to say is, is that I didn't know the Lord at that time. 
I knew, who, I knew about him. I believed in God, but I didn't know about him. And, uh, but three months after that, I got saved, when I really gave my life to the Lord. And the, the part that's so wonderful is that about a little while later, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with old Henry. And Henry got prayed and received the Lord. And the next time I saw him, I was, I, w- I was doing wallpaper in a funeral home, and I opened the curtain to measure the wall, and there was Henry, and he had died. And he was laid out there, and he was wearing this uh, buckskin vest of a, of a deer that I had shot. And he was wearing that, and he, and, uh, but you know, it was a happy time, because I knew that Henry had prayed and received the Lord, and it was just, it was just God's, all God's timing. So anyway, that's my story. <laughs> That's why I always remember that on Christmas Eve. Now I'll get to get to the message. Um, so, what was it like when Jesus was born? I get some more light here somehow. All right, there we go. Um, when Jesus was born, all of Jewish Palestine, as well as some of the neighboring Gentile areas, were ruled by by Rome's able friend and ally, Herod the Great. Far away in Rome, the emperor, Caesar Augustus, demanded that a census be taken of all the conquered lands so he might know what he could collect in taxes from them. And Mary and Joseph lived in a real oppressive society. They were heavily taxed by local and faraway rulers who demanded 50 to 60% of whatever the people grew or owned and this was used to boost the wealth of the rulers. Now, in our ways, our tax is supposed to go to help people, you know, look after the poor and all those kind of things and everything, but uh, that wasn't the case back then. This was used to boost the wealth of the rulers. And at that time, about 10% of the population were born into nobility, and they lived very lavishly. The remaining 90% worked the fields around Nazareth in Bethlehem, Uh, And in Bethlehem, where it was drier, sheep and goats were raised. The people were subsistence farmers, basically raising one bag of food for themselves and one bag of of food for Herod. And and, uh, the... Just a minute, I missed my place. Okay. While the rich prospered, the peasants suffered. And their hatred for Herod and the Romans grew. The Jews hated him because he had a reputation as a murderer and a thug, and no one likes to have a murderer living over them or be heavily taxed. So this was the situation. And they were called, so they were called to go to the, be, the census to be taken because Herod wanted to know how much taxes he could get from them. And it was a bad time of the year. It was cold, a damp, cold time of the year. If they were, and so if they were going to travel, I mean, Joseph and Mary would have picked a better time of the year, but they had to go, and this is what happened. They were... Did everyone was had to go to their hometown? They had to be ta- they had to be the census was had to be taken, and uh, uh, that's what happened. They were so that's what, why they ended up in a stable because they couldn't get room because everyone had traveled for this, and uh, and here it was the night of Jesus' birth. Now, about seven hundred years earlier than this, the prophets Micah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And Hosea, they prophesied about Jesus. And I'm not exactly sure the, the statistics totally, but about, 
I think some people say that about 80 prophecies in the Bible were fulfilled just by Jesus' birth and the situation around his birth. Come, came, coming from the family of David, where he was born, all those things. We're just going to look at a couple of them tonight. And we, we sang about them. Micah 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. This is 700 years before Jesus. Another, another uh, prophecy is from Isaiah uh, 714. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now how more specific can you get than that? But it was prophesied 700 years before Jesus. Um, and then even the, uh, even the, the people of that area, they, when, the, when Herod was asked where was he going to be born, they all knew from prophecy. Well, the scriptures say he was going to come from Bethlehem. Um, and, then we t- and then there's the, the, the prophecy in Jeremiah 31 about when Herod kills the children. And uh, it says, Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And Rachel here is used to, to uh, refer to all the mothers of Israel. Um, and, and Rachel was the, the name of one of the, their ancestors, but referred to the mothers. And Ramah was actually uh, uh, about five miles away um, to the north of Jerusalem. But this is, the, this is also another, another one of the prophecies. So this was something they were expecting. They were expecting the Messiah. They were expecting it at some time. And because of the conditions they were living in, they were really hopeful, praying the Messiah would come. The only thing is they didn't recognize him when he came because he didn't do exactly the way that they thought he would do. Um, another, another one is in Hosea where it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So this is another uh, um, prophecy about uh, Jesus going into Egypt. Now, just look at a couple of things here. The, the Magi recognized that Jesus was king because they, when they, they probably heard about him from maybe some traveling people or maybe we're not exactly sure how they heard about about, this, about the Messiah, but maybe from some traveling people or maybe from some other things or maybe uh, God just revealed that to him somehow, but they, um, they, they realized that he was a king. And we know that they, they realized he was a king because of the way that they came. They came and they traveled for probably about seven or eight weeks or longer just to get there. And they probably came with quite an entourage. We know that uh, they say there's three wise men or three, three kings from Orient because there was three gifts given, but we don't actually know how many there were. But they came, but they, when they came, they believed that he was the king. And uh, because they bowed down and they gave him royal gifts, very special, precious gifts that you would give to a king. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Herod also, as we, as, we, as we read, or as we were read to tonight, also believed that he was a king. And 
He believed also what they told him because they said that, that uh, a king would be born. And he believed he was a king as well because the, he tried to kill him. And uh, because he believed that the birth of Jesus would bring in the new kingdom and would be the end of his rule. And so what did he do? I mean, he went to the extent, and this is the, the, how terrible it was, that he had all the, all the young boys killed in that time frame uh, of about two years. Every single one of them in that area were all killed. Now, while we think about the circumstance surrounding Christ's birth, we as Christians can rejoice that the Messiah has come to earth and dealt with our sin. We can praise God for fulfilling, fulfilling his promises, and we can have complete confidence that he will always be faithful to do what he has declared. Whatever God says he's going to do, he's going to do. Nobody can change that. God never lies. God is perfectly holy, and he's going to do what he's promised. Um, you know, there's, there's no prophecies for telling details about the birth of any other religious leader or any other religion or founder of any world religion. There's no prophesy, prophecies about those people coming. Yet, there's hundreds of prophecies about Jesus. In fact, Jesus probably fulfilled over 300 prophecies that you can just link totally to Jesus in the, in the, in the Old Testament. Well, there's no prophecies about other world religions, other different ones, uh, about, what they would, uh, about anything like that coming. Um, but the Old Testament pinpoints numerous details about the life of, of the Son of God and Savior of the world. So 2,000 years ago approximately, Jesus came to the earth in a humble manner. The Savior of the world and God of all creation put on humanity to die for our sins and conquer death, giving the hope of salvation to all who will turn from their sin and believe on him. One day... He will return in judgment and will not appear as a helpless baby. But he will appear as the risen, glorified, sovereign Lord and judge. That's the, what the Bible tells us. He prophesied he's come as a baby. Now he's going to come as, 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 as judge of the earth. Revelations 19, 15, and 16 says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is another prophecy. All the other prophecies have come true. This prophecy will come true as well. You know, we can't truly celebrate the birth of Jesus without recognizing who he really is. Just as I went to church and even went, took communion, when I, which God probably should have struck me down dead right there for that, because uh, <laughs> of the way I was living, but, uh, but God had a call on me, and uh, he had my heart. We need to recognize who is Jesus? He's not just uh, something that we just have a little, a little, a little holiday about and we, and we uh, uh, put a little baby in a cradle and all this and just have a nice little sing-song and all those kind of things and, and then, you know, celebrate Christmas. We have to recognize he's the king. He is the Lord. 
It's prophesied he came to save our sin, for us from our sins. What does it mean to recognize that Jesus is the king of all the earth? What does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is Lord? You know, it's easy to say it. You know, we say Jesus is Lord. We sing it, Jesus is Lord. And like me, before I really became a Christian and gave my life to God, I couldn't say Jesus is Lord. I could say Jesus was God's son. I could say, maybe I could even say that Jesus died for, for, for people and paid the price for sin. For Jesus to be the Lord of your life means that he is ruler. He's the boss. He's the master of your whole life. He will not and cannot be the Lord of just a part of your life. He is the king. Romans 12 verse 11 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is acceptable and perfect. The best Christmas of my life. Even when I think about it as a little kid, how excited you are about presents and all the other things, and you're excited, and Christmas really has a lot of meaning. It lost that meaning for me when I grew up. It lost that, it was, it just lost that meaning. It just didn't have any meaning. You know, I mean, what was I doing on Christmas Eve? Out, out with the rest of the, the world partying and whatever else I want to mention. But what it means now is, and, the, and let me just, <laughs> losing the train of thought here, my very next Christmas, my very next Christmas after that, which is probably about, I don't know, three quarters of a year later, but Christmas had such joy, had such meaning. Because I've been forgiven of my sins. I've been made right with God, and I had felt God's love for me. For all you Christians here tonight, I know that this is what it means to you too. But if you've just come because it's Christmas Eve or you came with some family or whatever, because it's the thing to do or whatever, you know, it doesn't mean anything without Jesus. It doesn't mean anyway if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. And you know, you may not, you can't do that yourself, but you can pray and you can ask God to open up your heart and give you the life that he came and died for. And what we're celebrating is his birth and, and, the, and the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament about the God coming as a man and paying the price for our sin by dying on the cross for us. And he will, he will fulfill all the rest of the promises in the, in the Bible of what he's going to do for us for eternity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for opening my eyes to your, the truth of your word, to the truth of your presence and your love. Lord, I pray for everyone here that 
We will go and we will have a wonderful Christmas in your presence, giving you all the glory for the joy that you've given us, for the, for the salvation you've promised us, and for what you've promised to do for us in the end. And uh, that we'll be able to live in eternity with you without all the other problems that's in this world today, all the, all the trouble, all the uh, unkindness and cruelty that is in the world. You're going to get rid of all that. And Lord, I thank you that you have paid the price for me so that you don't get rid of me, but you've, you've called me to yourself. And Lord, I pray for everyone here that we would open up our hearts today to recognize that Jesus, you are king, you are ruler, you are in control of everything, you will do everything you've promised to do. We thank you for that. Lord, help, help us, Lord, in this next couple of days to celebrate you for what you really are, which is our wonderful, worthy God and King that paid the price by dying for us. Amen.